I'm Jason Schreier. I'm Kirk Hamilton. And I'm Maddie Myers. And now and it's crack time. open a beer or an, a <laughs> beverage of your choice because it's time for a beans cast. Put the beans in the pot, heat them up on the bottom with some olive oil and some garlic. <laughs> mash get those ready. beans Ooh, that sounds up, delicious. spread them inside the tortilla. Yeah, it sounds really tasty. Yeah, Turn the get, boiler up to high. Get, a, get an avocado slice oh, in yeah. there. Slice Put a little lime avocado. juice. Get some cilantro if you're into that. I don't know. Get a taco All of ready. Those things. Some people are really not into cilantro. Uh, I know. We have a buddy, Adam Rosenberg, who cilantro tastes like soap to him. He says cilantro t- like he can't eat cilantro without it's, it tasting yeah, like no, soap. Yeah, no, people say that. I used to not like it. I like cilantro. I feel very grateful. Welcome to Taco Cast. No, this is a beans cast. We're going to spill the beans on Horizon Zero Dawn. Yes, we are. Which Woo. is a video game. Open world video game, made by Guerrilla Games. It came out in 2017. I played it this year. Heck why yeah. did I do that? Well, it came out came out again this year. It did. It came out again this year. That's one reason why it came out for PC this year. Prior to that, it was only on the PlayStation 4. And the other reason I played it this year is because its sequel, Horizon Forbidden West, is coming out in 2021 on the PS4 and the PS5. And I wanted to play that game. Plus, the two of you kept telling me that Horizon Zero Dawn was a cool video game. And I just thought I'd see if it was cool. I think or those not. were our exact words. It's a yeah, cool, I think so. Maddie, it's a cool I think you video just game. said that over and it's over cool to me. You're like, it's a pretty yeah. cool game. Just saying, it's a it's cool it's game. And I was cool. like, oh, how cool could it be? I don't know. I won't know unless I play Only one this way video to find game. Out. So I, I did that. I so, Maddie. Mm hmm. You have played it for the first time ever. You have finished it for the first time ever. Do you think it's a cool video game? I do think it's a cool video game. I I would recommend it. I think it has some flaws, which we can talk about. I think it has some pacing problems. I think the parts of it that are good are really good, and that is why people recommend it. But I think there are also parts of it that are boring and mm. don't need to be there mm-hmm. and it's too bad that those parts of the game are there that's but, kind of the open world problem that, yeah isn't it that that seems to happen a lot i share yeah. that take replaying I, so i replayed like half of this game i'd say mm-hmm. on pc i'd say that's a great amount of it to replay yeah <laughs> especially it, if you already know the ending <laughs> it reminded me of and i because i loved the game on ps4 and then also played the dlc which i liked which was also very similar where it was the same kind of thing where to me, the game is always going to be about the flashback story. That story, yeah. I think, is so good. And, like, everything about the apocalypse in this game and the end of the it's world. It's so good. And I think it's more interesting than the main timeline story. I know. Except when the main timeline story overlaps, like Aloy's identity yep. and that stuff, like who she really is. And, of course, that's what makes the flashback so good. But, yeah, replaying it has definitely underlined that for me. Like, oh, I love this radio play that I listen to periodically while playing this video game. That's yeah, also a, some a fun of the game to, best to play. audio logs. So and, good. like, you know, people tell yeah, jokes about video game audio logs all the time, but... This game has really perfected the art of the audio log. I really enjoy the audio logs in this game. And the emails that you read, like you I go read, around, you read people's read emails, emails. I take the I time to read, read them. I actually read the emails. Yes. There's some good emails in this game. Yeah, I think one of the reasons, well, just on the audio logs, I think one of sure. the reasons they work so well in this game and not so much in like in many other games is because they just make so much sense here as like remnants yeah, of the civilization. Like, and the whole, yeah. the whole point of the game is to discover your the past civilization behind this world. So, of course, audio logs are like the perfect, and especially when they're presented as like computer records and emails that they're actually, the scientists are actually recording. It just mm-hmm. works really well in a way that a lot of games just don't make them work. Yeah, where it's like, why did this person record something in this yeah, moment? Yeah, the Bioshock. And it makes exactly. no goddamn sense. Like plenty of games are post-apocalyptic, but in Bioshock, it's like, why are there tape recordings why? of people like, like having right. an affair and like arguing. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. 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 Whereas in this game, it is, it is a post-apocalyptic setting. You are discovering the remains of a ruined world that is supposed to be our world as far as I know, but mm-hmm. in our version yeah. of the future. And yeah, it's like Utah, Nevada. Yeah. Yeah. Areas. Although as I would hope all of these things aren't about to happen to us, but Hey, <laughs> who's, who's to say we may be about to cause the apocalypse. Who would be so, Ted Farrow? Elon Musk? Is he Elon Musk? Probably. I think he, the I most think he likely is an Elon Musk parallel. Ted, Ted I, I would hmm. say he is similar to Elon Musk, but you know, he's similar to a lot of just 
tech right. big wig types. Yeah, what about where, Jeff Bezos? Could be a well, Bezos is Jeff type. is Jeff out here building robots? I don't know. Maybe he's secretly doing that. I mean, he might be that. next. He could certainly afford it. We just but, need an Elizabeth yeah. Sobek. That's the thing. For every for every pharaoh, you need a Sobek. Hopefully, well, there's <laughs> a Sobek out there for us. I'm always saying that. That's what they yeah. say, you know? That's, that's what they saying. say. Yeah, so, uh-huh. so uh-huh. you play this game in a future that's very far away from our current timeline, and you're looking back on what would still be the future within our own world. So you play as Aloy, played by Ashley Birch, wonderful voice acting. I love it. Yeah, Aloy is part of, or was originally supposed to be part of the Nora tribe, which is this tribe of people who they're matriarchal and they have access to some technology and there are all these sort of robot monsters walking around their world but there's also just regular animals that you'd see in the united states like turkeys and rabbits and so on and so you can hunt for regular food and it's part of this this ancient seemingly society but also it's clearly not ancient because there are all these machines walking around and so as aloy really early on in the game you get to see baby aloy little tiny baby Aloy. Kind of goofy looking. Really goofy looking. Not kind <laughs> yeah. of. She she's looks a porcelain like a... doll. She's a yeah. very spooky porcelain doll, but she's also a person. And her dad, <laughs> not really her dad, but her father figure, Rost, is um, doing a ritual to give her a name. And this is how you find out that Rost and Aloy are both outcasts from this tribe. And you you slowly learn more and more about this tribe as, as the game goes along. You learn that Aloy doesn't have a mother and that that's a really bad thing. And most of the game is about Aloy trying to find out who her mother was. And it makes sense that she'd want to do that because she's been raised to think that having a mother is the most important possible thing you could have. So that's like her I want song if she were a Disney princess. Oh, man. I would love if this had a Disney moment where she actually sang a song. That would be good. If only. I, I It doesn't happen. Um, no, and so she learns. No. Unlike, unlike Kingdom Hearts 3, which just has the entirety <laughs> of Let It Go. Nothing but I want right. You just do Let It Go, right. Not an I want <laughs> yeah. song, but still. Yeah. And so Rost and Aloy um, learn how to, Rost teaches Aloy how to fight. She also gets a smartphone. She gets, she finds a mysterious object that is basically a smartphone and helps you play the entire rest of the video game. She finds a VR helmet, she puts (laughs) it in her ear and it makes it so that she can figure out what all the machines patterns are, how they work. And then over the course of this massive open world game, you can unlock the ability to understand and hack into all of these different machines in the world. And that's a, that's a huge part of the game, but it's sort of contrasted with Aloy's very human story of just wanting to be back with this tribe again, that had always rejected her. And one of the ways that she wants to do that is by participating in this, uh, the proving, which is like this competition yeah. that will allow her, if she wins, she gets to be part of the tribe again. But anyway, what what did you two think about this game when you were first playing it and you were like collecting Aloy's smartphone and seeing this doomed world? Like, did you know what it was about? I feel like I understood a lot of this game the first time around because I had just absorbed a lot of the spoilers from living in the world. But when you two mm. first played, were you like surprised by each of these reveals and like oh wow like what's the deal with this world why are there all these monster robots walking around or were you like eh it doesn't matter i was not expecting it to be as interesting as it was like the reveals (laughs) of the truth behind those stories like i i figured that we would i guess i figured that we would know what was going on i think that maybe i didn't think it would be a major part of the story like i was like well we're in this world with robots a lot of video games do that where they're like there's kind of some lore in the background where they're like oh and here's sort of a vague thing that lets you fill in the blanks to know why there are robot dinosaurs around but i didn't realize Mm -hmm. that like the sort of whole thing that would draw me into the game would be this like slow unfurling of the whole like really in-depth explanation of not just why there are robots but like all of the subsystems and the various AIs and like the program that created them and like why this entire thing happened and like that it would be so compelling and then also tied to this like really well told story of the world ending and people sacrificing to like try to save a future generation and all this stuff like I didn't see any of that coming I was like this seems whatever it's pretty looking I don't know if this is fun like the character models look weird especially then because they kind of patched this game over the years to like make the faces mm. look better but at first they were pretty stiff <laughs> and it was Ooh. just this feeling of like oh I don't know is this going to be good or is this kind of awkward like for the first 
kind of while until, you know, then after the proving when that opens up and you start fighting big robots and stuff. And then it was like, mm-hmm. oh, this is like really, really fun. And then it was like, oh, this story is also really, it's really like good. deep and cool. So yeah. let's let's zoom out for a second and go back in time to February 28th, 2017 when this game actually <laughs> came out. But are we going to okay. zoom out or are we going to go back in time? You like to zoom Both. out. Gonna is that zooming zoom out? out? On the zoom timeline. out of like, time. Well, we're zooming out and like then we were it's like currently in, in the, Google, in your, in your mental Google calendar, you're going right. to go into month view and then zoom right, back, right, zoom right, out right, and then You're going to click the the arrow Um, a bunch of times. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Two important pieces of context surrounding this game that you might not even think of today. Um, Mm -hmm. One is that it came out three days before the Switch and Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, which is another game about like like open world action adventure. You're going around, you have a bow. Monsters that are robots, Robots, post-apocalyptic like features. Even the look of like the, uh, whatever they're called. The things with the guardians. Yeah, the guardians. Yeah, the guardians. Yeah. Segmented legs that look just like the Guardians. Yeah. So, in fact, I think that that hurt this game a little bit because a lot of people were playing Zelda and were like, "Oh my God, why can't I glide in Horizon Zero Dawn?" But that's important context surrounding like the initial reception of this game. Right. Even um, though Horizon Zero Dawn had combat that was actually fun. Oh, it, what did he just say dang. about the best game ever made? Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> um, okay. And then the other important piece of context is that Guerrilla Games was never known for making games like this. Their series before Horizon Zero Dawn was a series called Kill. Zone, and really, all you need to know about that series is that it was called Killzone. Kill I'm Zone. gonna yeah. say just that the Killzone games were more creative and interesting than the name suggests. But okay, fair enough. We but don't need not, to get into it. This but, is not a Killzone beans cast. Not known, <laughs> not known for their storytelling and elaborate. They had plot. Or for being stories, open world they games. Okay. They weren't. They weren't no. open world exploration no, games. No, they were Point like being, Call of Duty style first person yeah. shooters. Point being, I don't think a lot of people expected this game to just like come and knock the story and knock everything really right out of the park. Um, on its first try, and it did on its first at bat, um, and I think that kind of like like seeing the early reviews. I remember seeing the early reviews rolling in, and people were just raving about the story. And I remember being very surprised in a good way, and being like, "Wow, this is really cool." I had been playing a little bit before launch, but I was mostly focusing on Zelda because I was reviewing that. Um, but then, as I played, played through the story, learned what was going on, I was like super way into it um and to answer your initial question maddie i remember thinking that like wow this story is way better than it has any right to be um and way better than i expected it to be um i think a lot of credit goes to gorilla for hiring a bunch of like really talented writers led by john gonzalez who wrote on fallout new vegas among other things um and just like letting them have have creative freedom to write this great story and write this great backstory um and just tell this awesome cool story about how a bunch of robots destroyed the world because one megalomaniac billionaire decided to uh, decided to pull the plug on some things he shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that that I mean Kirk already said this, but I think that that story that you just described is so much stronger than everything else in the game that yeah. it's even in writing down our notes before we recorded this. That was the only part of the story that I wrote down, but there's a heck of a lot of other stuff in this game mm-hmm. that. I just played through and was like, well, this was also here. So I I completely agree with you that all the stuff about the past world getting destroyed by robots and Ted Farrow's ego and Aloy slowly discovering what happened to the world before the one that she lives in and who she really is. I found that really compelling and cool. And the ending ending is so good. Yeah. Yeah, very moving. But then the way that the world works in the present of the game is so boring to me like I really had to like struggle to care about the Sun King and like all these proper nouns with the Karja and like these tribes that are fighting with each other and it was strange to me that the descriptions of a world that was a little closer to our own could be so evocative to me and yet this depiction of this other future world like it's almost like it was too far outside of my experience or something, but that doesn't usually, that's not usually a problem for me with a fantasy game or a science fiction game. Like usually I can be like, well, it's a human story and I care about people and what happens to them. But for some reason, almost all of that other stuff just didn't really work for me here. Yeah. I want to dig into this a little because I do think it's interesting and have been thinking about it because it's like, on the one hand, it's, it's, it's not that it's not a fair comparison, but 
the one story, the story of the past, doesn't have to be a video game story. It can just be essentially a radio play that you discover uh-huh. that then ties in with your character, who you're playing as, I guess, and that makes it tied to the video game. But all of these connections, and there are these connections, the way that we'll talk about silence and everything, but like silence is like manipulating the Shadow Karja to incite this civil war so that Hades mm-hmm. can like move in and take over the thing and kill everybody again because that's what Hades wants to do. Like there are these ways that that past story ties in to like the more like concerned with these the tribes present? warring. Yeah, the present and not just Aloy's identity, but like what's happening in this sort of political Game of Thrones style, like this kingdom versus that kingdom and this guy's the yeah. heir to that throne. Well, it's but, not exactly Game of Thrones though. But no, yeah, but go like, on. <laughs> but that kind of that kind of like political mess. What they're trying to do? Yeah. Yes. Generic yeah. fantasy book. But like I, mm-hmm. I just wonder if because the story has to be like there are so many familiar beats, you know, go here and then figure out what happened at this place where these people died and then uncover this ritual where they're bringing up a new kind of boss that you fight and then go and like unlock this thing and like meet the boss for the first time and then the guy's in your ear telling you what to do. It's like so video games where Mm -hmm. the other story can just be this like purely written writer's paradise rendition of the end of the world that then is just, it just, I think it's successful on so many small details. Like the fact that it's that the robots ate the world to me at least is like the thing that makes the whole game work. It's like this terrifying specific detail like that there's this scene pretty early on where you hear elizabeth sobeck talking to ted faro and she's like you created an unhackable unkillable machine that consumes biomass for fuel and like the horror in her voice and you're realizing what that means and it's like there's this whole period in that flashback where they're all like gaming this out and they're realizing that like they're all gonna die and the world is just Mm -hmm. gonna be consumed in this horrible bloody like disgusting way oh there's the the description that you hear where sorry but this, this is like the shit that i love right the description of um Someone seeing one of the robots eating, yes. like feeding on a bunch of on a dolphin, dolphins, right? In yeah. the email, are you talking about the email it, that you find email, where yeah. somebody's like, "Yeah, so there's this video going around of yeah. a robot eating a dolphin, and that could cause some problems for us because it's really bloody, right? Like, and it's like fucked up. The and, like, conversational yeah. style of the emails is so great. Right. Like that is really what I remembered in playing the game is like. I don't read stuff in games. Like, I will read a book at Skyrim for two seconds and get bored. Like, I am that person. But in this game, I was actually reading all the emails and really enjoying them because they just have the life of actual emails and then also the horror of something terrible happening. And some of that is the time period I was playing it in, which you two didn't as much have a sense (laughs) of. But, like, the doomed world cutscenes when I got Mm. to them were so much more intense for me to play in 2020 than... I don't know. Maybe they felt really intense in 2017. It's not like 2017 was that great. Like, <laughs> let's be real here. But like, I, it was very weird to play this game now and be like, damn, we got to figure this shit out. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Like, so I guess that's, I, it's that that story doesn't have to be a video game and it yes, can be it so doesn't. well it can written. Be emails. And so it can just be emails where the other story yeah. does have to be a video game. And those, as we've learned in playing a lot of video games are much harder to write. So I'm kind of wondering mm-hmm. if that's, at the heart of why the one story is so much better. It could be. It could be. Well, that feels to me like a story, like a lot of the Karja stuff and Sun King stuff and blah, 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 blah. A lot of it is, well, first of all, it's, it's less, it's inherently less interesting because it's a lot more bizarre and less like us and hard, much harder to relate to those people in a lot of ways, especially when like the, the mad King is like going off and well, they, they do some things that I think are like, like very, uh, hard to relate to the the characters themselves, but also yes. I think it's that they exist just to give you menial quests and side quests and just things that mm-hmm. send you all around the world, as opposed right. to people who exist to be actual people. Um, so yeah, I remember getting to Meridian for the first time, um, and that's the main capital city of of this world, and being kind of overwhelmed by how good it all looked, and then thinking, oh man, there's really nothing to do here except like go talk to boring side quest yep. givers and like maybe. Talk and, to like a six merchants who all have different stuff they can. I do like the two merchants who are do. like arguing, like the, the guys who are kind that of. Yeah, there's that question is kind there's of fun. Like cute yes. writing in some of the side quests. Don't get me wrong, there's some yeah. good side quests in there, but like a lot of it is just very much built in a way that is just kind of a typical open world. And really, it's the layer. Right, it's like there's factions, like we're the people, the craftsmen, and we're the imperials, and we're the like secular, like mean, the secluded, yeah. like matriarchal society. Yeah. But they can't even, they, the game doesn't have the bandwidth, and it would be too bloated if they tried to do any more 
war with the factions, so the factions just kind of exist, and so there isn't like right. a loyalty system, like a New Vegas style, like I'm gonna ally with these guys. Right, and, but it does feel very video games, like for there to be these. But that's factions the thing. That well, so that's that. the thing. It feels very much like a game that had this fascinating story, yeah. and then they had to put some stuff to justify why you're spending 30 hours running around the open world yeah. and not just discovering the story immediately. Otherwise, it would be over in two hours. You go up the tower, find the. Find it would just the be stuff. a cool, yeah. radio, like podcast I mean, series that you there's to. a version of this game that was 15 hours that freaking ruled yeah. I, mm. I i i think also there's this inherent problem in the game with the conception of how these sort of post-apocalyptic societies would live and I, i've talked about it a few different times but mm. i mean it, it's worth noting that oh, yeah. many people have talked about this game as, as having sort of a reductive view of, of indigenous cultures and borrows from a lot of those trappings and, and painting this world and being like, well, these are people who wouldn't question the systems around them. And I really struggle with that throughout the game. I would say it's most discomforting at the beginning of the game when you're mm-hmm. with the Nora and like Aloy is the only the one who finds his smartphone yeah. and they're very they're religious and they're also worshipping they're anti-technology but they're worshipping a very right. ancient piece of technology called Gaia which you eventually find out is the AI that Elizabeth Sobeck made but at the beginning you don't really know what its deal is you can tell it's a piece of technology because you the player are from our modern world but Aloy can also figure out stuff really quickly which it felt odd to me that Aloy like had this bizarre gift to figure out everything that was going on a lot faster than everyone around her and that paired with the reveal eventually yeah it makes sense because of who she is does it though because Mm. I don't think it does, because basically the implication of that is that because she turns out to be a clone of a really smart scientist from the past, she just naturally is curious and has some gift that these other people wouldn't have. And like, why wouldn't they? They're also descended from the greatest minds of humanity. So even if you subscribe to some type of eugenicist theory where like they're supposed to be the smartest people ever, they're descended from like select humans who were chosen. Like that's the reveal at the end of the game. So I would also... Also argue that there is something to be said about how, how <clears throat> at the beginning of the game she finds the focus as you mentioned the little right yeah diamond thing that triangle thing that lets her um, see like machines and see virtual reality type right stuff. she finds it um, as a young toddler right and then and she has so it forever. she spends her life yeah she grows up like using this thing and being able to see right. parts of the world that other people can't see so I think that would give her a much more curious and it informed would. perspective as an adult theoretically than, yes. But well, also she's an outcast, so it's not like she's growing up like among these people and and really like in in like embracing their religion and culture and and tribal sentiment. Yeah, I mean, I get I get the premise of the game. I just think that the result of it is creating this world where it's skeptical of the idea of religion. I I don't know. I really went back and forth on this and playing the game where I was like, I can't tell if this game is taking a stance on religion as a whole, or if it's just that individual characters are and the game is just kind of presenting different mm. perspectives and being like, what do you think about it? And that's that's always like a tough media analysis thing to be like, are several characters merely asserting this viewpoint or is this a moralizing piece of media that's asserting mm. a viewpoint? And I'm not, I don't actually know. And I think there's enough on all the sides on this one that it would be hard to make an argument that Horizon Zero Dawn is the equivalent of a Reddit atheist manifesto or, or whatever. <laughs> it's not it's not quite there. But there are some parts of it that remind me a little bit of a Reddit atheist manifesto. And there's nothing wrong that I happen to be an agnostic myself, if the listener is curious. And I certainly went through some atheist manifestos phases in my lifetime so I can sort of like recognize the signs as it were. But at this point in my life, I'm kind of like sometimes people have a relationship with their spirituality that's like very healthy for them and I can respect that. And this game doesn't quite, it doesn't have a character who quite espouses that. And I just find it interesting because it's such a pro technology game. And it's also a game that has many characters where religion is the thing that's holding them back from seeing what's really going on in a sad and harmful way to them. You know? Yeah. I think that the problems that we were talking about with understanding Elizabeth or her clone or Aloy, whatever, right, however right, you want to think yeah. of it, like of her character, I think kind of reflects a broader shortcoming that I do think that the game has, like the the world building has. And that's just that the premise is better 
than the execution. I think however you view it, and we've we've talked before about it, there's just like a lot of sort of like tropes of like how people think of Native Americans mm-hmm. and sort of tribal mm-hmm. cultures are just sort of repurposed in this blender and then just the Nora sort of like wear outfits that are reminiscent of that and have bows and arrows but and But also stuff. like other random cultures. Right. Yeah. And like and that's Okay, like then there's this explanation in the game. So the idea is that there were all these different subsystems, and then Apollo mm-hmm. is the one that he made that was gonna reteach everybody all of human knowledge. And then he yep. freaks out because he's this just t- terrible dude. Like he's just always turning up in flashbacks as the worst dude, like this coward, straight egomaniac. <laughs> The worst. And, like, he has this final, like, fuck you to humanity where he he destroys Apollo because he's like, no, like, if we don't destroy all of knowledge, we'll just, like, do this all over again. But that's an interesting mm-hmm. debate and that has had in a lot of interesting ways. Like, yeah. do we want to preserve the knowledge that will then lead us to make robots that will eat the world and kill all the yeah. dolphins or don't we? So that's <laughs> that's interesting on its own. He does that. And then it leads to this idea of a world where a lot of stuff carries down and these AIs build a world for them, but then they're missing all of like the core of human knowledge and only some stuff carries right. on, which is like that premise. You could go so many directions with that. And mm-hmm. the direction they go is like, it's fine. I'm, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I under, totally like understand people who would be more critical of it. And I, to me, I was like, yeah, this just seemed, it's just a little unimaginative or maybe a lot of that's where I'm at on it mm-hmm. is, is that I just wish it like, that's such a weird, cool sci-fi premise, but it's almost like the game isn't interested in that. And that's mm. okay. Like, it's clear that the game is more yeah. interested in the past sci-fi premise, how the world went wrong, what doomed it, Ted Pharaoh's fall from grace, etc. Right. That's a great science fiction story and it's one it tells. But then there's like a different separate science fiction story that the game isn't really that interested in, which is what would happen if a future version of the world only had access to certain weird bits and pieces of knowledge, like smartphones were lying around, right. but like also nothing else was and like what would that do and would people be able to figure out what was going on or would they just end up with these confused bits of culture that would result in interesting permutations on what we think of as being the human experience and that's like almost what the game is but it just doesn't quite go deep enough and so instead I'm left being like I don't really care about the sun king right like, I, and it, it has so much going on that like it's yeah. like you said like it, it's doing so many things so well it's in addition to like being an amazing yeah. like combat monster fighting game like it has so much going on and it's doing so much so well that it really is one of those things where I'm like well I'm criticizing this one part of it that doesn't work as well for me but mm-hmm. I'm so impressed mm-hmm. by the overall thing also an, yeah. am- an amazing lead character it's worth mentioning an amazing oh yeah Aloy is oh yeah great. like yeah. great character writing voiced by the tremendous Ashley which Birch. is part of why I'm like what if every other character were as cool as Aloy or like even yeah. just some of them like Silence is a cool character he's, we can he's talk a about great, him. Oh yeah, he's yeah. a great antagonist. Well, so I want to I actually want to segue a little bit because w- what you sure. guys are talking about um, makes for a good question I wanted to ask which is what do you guys want to see in the sequel Horizon Forbidden West which was announced for PS4 and PS5 for next year yeah. because I think this gives them a really cool opportunity which is you guys are totally right like the question of like what happens if humanity hit the reset button what would happen is so fascinating and I think they actually have a lot of freedom exactly like hit the reset button but part of the hard drive was not properly defragmented like that's the interesting part but I think that that they have a cool opportunity which is that they can say that like this tribal culture the Noras and and Meridian and all this stuff the Sun King is is limited to is limited to the American Southwest and the sequel takes place it looks like from the trailer in San Francisco we see the Golden Gate Bridge um, what is San Francisco like? Maybe they all like have some totally different way. Maybe they figured out what smartphones do. Maybe they have like their own totally different culture. Maybe it's nothing like um, Native American culture, and maybe they like embraced I don't know like uh, African culture. Maybe there are tribes there that like like who knows? They could do anything with that. <laughs> I'm sure that will be handled perfectly by the game. I'm, I just brought that up. As, I'm not, I'm not suggesting. I just I know I, I just know. brought up a random example. Right, um, right, but. They, they have the freedom right now to do whatever they want with that, or they have been for the past few years. And I'm very curious to see to see what they do there. So I'm, so, I'm and I'm also curious to hear what you guys want to see from the sequel. So one thing that informs my thoughts on this is the DLC via 
Frozen Wilds DLC, which I played yeah. through and reviewed for Kotaku, and is great. I think I reviewed it as basically it's more Horizon Zero Dawn, and Horizon Zero Dawn is a great game, so like mm-hmm. it's great. Um, it has like a really cool big bear that you fight. The bear is really hard in that way that the big ones that are really hard, or you're just like on the edge of your seat the whole time. I assume it's a robot bear. Oh, yes, it's sorry. not just any bear. <laughs> just <a> bear. <laughs> You're just randomly fighting a bear. You just have to fight this bear at one point. <laughs> well, just, you just uh, shoot it in the head and it dies. And, it like, just becomes the revenant for a little while. Um, no, it's a robot bear that you fight. But it's it's similar where it's telling... So it, it so it tells the story of... So you're in the kind of Yellowstone region and it's there's like a whole thing where there's an AI that's trying to keep Yellowstone from exploding and like like erupting. There's like the caldera there. It's like a volcanic caldera. And there's an AI that regulates the temperature to keep it from blowing up, and it's malfunctioning. So then kind of endgame is, like, trying to stop it. So all these, the Benook who live up there don't all die. And they all, of course, think that it's this, like, angry demon, but really it's an AI, and Eli goes in. Mm -hmm. And the story is, it's fine, and it's really good in some of the side quests. There's, like, some really nice stories where it's just, like, emails between two people who work together and are having a romance, and you watch it develop over time. And it's the same, so it's, like, in Microcosm, the original game. But it doesn't have the hook of, like, Aloy's identity and the big yeah. mystery and the story of what happened because you already know all that. So you're like, oh, turns out we're, like, you know, Old Faithful is here. And, oh, it's this building that I kind of remember from a tourist photo. But it's not as exciting. And that makes me a little bit not worried but curious what the hook is going to be for the sequel. Well, that's because it was DLC. Like, I'm sure there's going to be some great big mystery. Also, the game ends on such a good teaser. No, but like, they fundamentally, they've revealed the thing. But the game ends mm, on a teaser with silence. I don't silence. think they have, yeah. I, I feel like there's a lot we don't know yeah. still. Because we don't know the answer to a pretty important question in, in my mind, which is why the Hades thing even happened. Right. So the way that the game ends is that it, it's revealed, of course, that Aloy is a clone of Elizabeth Sobek, which is something that I guessed within the first hour because I understand how percentages work. And if you show me a <laughs> DNA percentage and it's right. over 99, then I already know she's a clone. So I wouldn't even consider that a spoiler or oh, a big Oh, Maddie, Maddie However, the scientist over here. <laughs> Look, we're not all as smart as Maddie Mike. My dad is a geneticist. <laughs> it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why was it less than 100? Why is it like 99.4 well, whatever? It, well, maybe you. it's explained at the very end of the game. Oh, I don't remember. It's explained in a somewhat confusing way. So at the end... Aloy figures out that Gaia is an AI and she finds these records of Gaia explaining how everything works and and Elizabeth explains how everything works and that there's this additional program within Gaia called Hades, which is designed to kick in if the terraforming and rebooting of Earth goes wrong in some way. And supposedly Gaia was supposed to be able to work with the Hades program and decide when it would kick in. And there were all these complications when it came to implementing a version of Hades that wouldn't kick in at the wrong time. And you sort of see and hear Elizabeth like working on that and and having all these struggles with that. And you're kind of getting the foreshadowing that maybe something could go wrong there. Mm -hmm. Although you don't find out at any point, exactly what that was. What you do find as Aloy is this message from Gaia herself, as represented by this sort of humanoid mm-hmm. version of Wonderful the AI. Wonderful sequence. Yeah. Where she's describing rebooting the world, but then as she's rebooting it, something is going wrong, and she doesn't know why. There's a mysterious signal that happens that starts causing an issue, and it's not clear whether Hades is involved in that or not, or who caused that or problem. Or That's why she creates... Well, I don't think silence exists yeah. Oh, right, right, right. Sorry. Because sorry, this sorry. is before humans Brain died fart. the first time. So, like a so thousand it can't years be silence. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's a good thought because silence comes into play later. Yeah, he's but silence isn't alive yet. And so Gaia creates Aloy because she's like, I'm going to need somebody like Elizabeth to solve whatever this is. Right. So I'm going to create... Kind of a bank shot, right, by Gaia? Mm-hmm. She's yeah, being like, really, hopefully yeah. like Elizabeth will solve this. We'll see. I don't yeah. know. Like she, she at least has the DNA to unlock all these right. doors and find all this stuff and maybe right. figure it out. So I'm just going to create this baby and like hope that helps right. somehow. And then also, in addition to that... Hades was starting to wreak all this havoc. This is the part of it that's more mysterious, where it's like, what caused the corrupting influence? What led to Hades' downfall up until the point Mm -hmm. where Silence finds him and then encourages him to continue it? Because when Silence finds Hades, it's the first time he's found any AI and he's just psyched 
to find a cool thing and talk mm-hmm. to it in much the same right. way that Aloy was psyched to find her focus as a little baby and be like, oh, sweet, I can finally find out about the world. Like, silence is sort of like the the sadder version of that trajectory in my eyes, like where he just found the wrong AI to right. help him. And it's like a real asshole kind of AI that's, that's end goal is always going to be to destroy the world. And it's just a matter of somebody using Hades to achieve that end. But who was that person and why did they do that? And what led to the initial problem that created Aloy? We, as far as I know, we don't yet know the answer to that. So, yeah, and I guess I don't mean to suggest that we everything is tied in a bow and we have all of the right. answers, but I do think that, like, not even knowing anything about the world, now we know why things are the way they are. And that, for me, was, like, such a big question in the first game yeah. that I can't imagine there being a question that will match that. Not that there needs to be. A great sequel can explore. I mean, really, actually. There could be. Here's what I hope for from the, se- from the sequel, though, actually. You introduce new characters. You, have all, you can have all well, sorts of mysteries. No, no, no. But before, before you say that, Maddie, you didn't answer the question of why Aloy is only 99 point whatever percent. Oh, because... Gaia describes that Hades corrupted her system as she was creating Aloy and that the corruption would would cause the door to not match Aloy anymore. She explicitly says that to answer that question and be like, I guess I just hope that this kid is going to grow up and find a different door because apparently the one I'm leaving her at isn't even going to work. Although she says it in a much more eloquent Gaia-esque way than I just did. But she does fill that plot hole for you in the game. Gotcha. So while there is no reveal I think that the sequel can make that's of the magnitude of why does the world exist the way that it does that actually (laughs) and who is Aloy yeah right well and like what happened and why are there robot dinosaurs (laughs) everywhere like that's a great central question but that question was answered really well by the game and I think it kind of circles back to the thing we were talking about at the beginning which is the game did had so much going on narratively speaking, there are these two parallel stories and all these side stories, and they did such a great job with that one while kind of neglecting the modern, like, current stuff that a sequel that focused more on current stuff found a new setting, new, more interesting characters, Mm -hmm. and, like, really leaned into that, already understanding that we know all of the past stuff. And I'm sure there will be flashback stuff sort of like there was in Frozen Wilds, but, like, the focus will be more on the present day. Could actually be great. So maybe that's actually what I'm hoping for, is that there's a really good story set in this world that explores some of these questions we're bringing up a little more interestingly. Yeah, and I I mean, I think, to to the game's credit, I think Erend is a pretty pretty fun character. He's fine. He's uh, fine. (laughs) I like his facial hair, to be fair. Um, His facial hair is fun. So I think in the sequel, uh, she'll get to San Francisco and she'll discover that in the past there were more AIs um, named like mm-hmm. uh, Zeus Maybe. and Poseidon and Dionysus. then she'll discover <laughs> she'll discover that they give her boons so if she right. gets special, the Zeus AI then she'll be able to shoot bows with arrows of lightning um, before, before we wrap things up by the way we really have to talk about the gameplay of this game because I think that is like really what yeah. has uh, what, what, what sets it apart in a lot of ways and that is just like the number of things you can can do you you have access to all these tools and traps and arrows and skills and um the number of ways that you can set traps and like kind of take down huge dinosaurs by ripping their various pieces off and finding their weaknesses i think it's just a really well crafted well designed game and i just really enjoyed the actual moment to moment of playing it i've got to say yeah i'm yeah. curious about your evolution maddie since you the last <laughs> yeah. time we talked since about I it didn't... well you were just discovering slow-mo but now i'm assuming yeah. i kind of wish i hadn't played the entire game without slow-mo and i hope no one else <laughs> did what i did because that was really silly and it made the game a lot harder than it needed to be although it did also mean that i was using traps a lot because I thought I had to. So I really liked the whole trap system and like I would be setting up for battles a lot. Almost every battle that I struggled with, I would realize that running really far away and like tracking out my course and deciding what I wanted to do Mm -hmm. at each stage Mm -hmm. would nearly always be the answer to it. Although again, I wasn't using any (laughs) slow-mo mechanics for most of the game. So that was really my only option would be to run really far away and then see how long I could take to get to the thing. So I was doing a lot of weird uh, workarounds for for lacking a tool that I secretly had all along. But yeah, I I do like the trap system in the game. I like hacking the machines riding them around that's always really fun Mm. just to do in any open world game like seeing the world collecting materials crafting stuff is super satisfying in this game and (laughs) leveling up your weapons and deciding what power-ups you want to give them i mean all that stuff is just it speaks to 
some base need of mm-hmm. like seeing the numbers just go wanting up. to click a button and then hear a satisfying sound play while you're like yes now my bow has more damage than ever before like it just <laughs> it really it really taps into that and I, I mean it's just a big old open world game you just walk around clicking on stuff mm-hmm. i i don't know i that part of it i really enjoyed i wish i had liked more of the side quests i there are a few that I remembered really enjoying. Like, I think her name's Petra. She, like, creates the rail gun that you mm-hmm. fight with. Yeah. She's a fun side character who's just, like, making guns for no real reason. Like, characters like that, I was like, I feel like there should be more people like this who are just like, I've discovered a bunch of weird technology out here. Don't fully understand right. it, but I understand it enough that I can make a bunch of weird guns. And, like, that's what I've decided to do. And I was like... I'm surprised there's only one of you. I feel like there should be hundreds of you. But anyway, I there's it's it's a it's a fun game. I still I still recommend it. Yeah, just wish there was a little more of that. Did you do all of the uh, uh, what are they called the the tomb things? The with cauldrons. The yeah, the cauldrons. Yeah. You did all of them? I didn't do all of them, but yeah, I, I enjoyed them. Oh, okay. Yeah, good. you probably did all of them. I tried to beat I the did. game. Yeah, <laughs> right. that's true. But that was, yeah. Um, there's some There's some cool, like, well, there's some time-consuming, um, like, power armor quests and, like, things you can right. do that are, like, yes. high, high, high level. Well, the power armor isn't time-consuming, so I did no, that one. That's I thought just, that one was. Co- where you collect all the cells? Yeah, but they're on story missions. Like, you just have to pick them up when you go past oh. them. There's only six, and they're oh. easy to get. Mm. I want to talk about the power armor actually so i guess i missed them the cauldrons yeah there there are a couple that are pretty easy to miss i think i followed a guide and this time i knew to get it so i've been following the guide in my replay i didn't do any of this well so this is this power armor which is very ubisoft thing it's funny you're talking about maddie how it's kind of like it checks all the boxes this is such a ubisoft style game but it's Mm -hmm. always interesting when someone who isn't ubisoft makes a ubisoft style game that i actually like especially in terms of gameplay more than any Ubisoft game I've played. I really like some Ubisoft games, but like this game is actually more fun and more kind of, it has that kind of gooey physicality to it. Like just the feeling of running around and sliding and like jumping and the way everything looks and feels, it's like so satisfying that it works better. And then there's so much smart design going on that it's also just more fun to play. Replaying it. So the shield armor that you get, which you can get pretty easily, not toward until the end of the game, because like the final thing isn't until like a pretty late on story mission. The way it works is it um when you take a hit, uh, if you take a big hit, you know, like you get clawed by a Tyrannosaurus or whatever, your shield goes down. You get it's a whole new system. And the shield vanishes and then you start taking damage. So it gives you a free. Ah, very hit. halo. It is it is <laughs> pr- fairly halo, yeah. And it's like it's a little different, I guess, but it's sort of like it's the same kind of idea. But so mm-hmm. I think that it actually kind of short circuits the game. And I really liked it with the first time I got it. I think I wrote a tips post for Kotaku that was like how to get the best item. And I remember a commenter yeah. being like, you know, I actually kind of think that this makes the game less fun. And then mm. having played through it and like the DLC works around it in certain ways, like it has things that like knock it out like while you're uh. playing so you don't have it. And now replaying the game. I think the health healing system in this game is like really interesting. There's so much little stuff like that where yeah. you take a lot of damage from a hit but then immediately start regening it from your healing pack. So it's like you almost mm-hmm. have a your health bar is like more complicated. There's like a critical health bar, and what you could think of as like the replenish bar that then becomes three deep, and you're using to re- and you're mm-hmm. managing that in the middle of a fight. But that goes slowly, so you can also use potions to restore instantly. Yeah, you can use potions quickly. Then, right. Yeah. So that that whole system, I think, is really well made, especially because you take is, so much yeah. damage. And just I was playing like randomly the other night. I was like, oh, I'll just play a little, and I fought one of those. I think it's just called a storm bird, like the huge birds. Yes. And it was wild. Those guys are cool. I've played. I don't know how many hours of this game and I'm really good at it. And that fight was so crazy. I was like taking damage. I was almost died at one point. It's like flying over and bombing me. It takes so much damage. I'm like trying to lock it down to the ground and shoot it and set traps and running around. It's like a freaking huge bird. It was amazing. And like, and it was amazing because I didn't have that shield armor. And it was just making me reflect on just Mm. how a battle system is more than just good weapons, good enemies. It's also things like that healing system. And I think the game just has a lot of that kind of carefully made, thoughtful shit that someone like totally pitched and they 
bunch of people like really fine-tuned that system but i've never quite seen anything like it yeah and it's there's so much of that in the game that i think is what makes it so fun to play yeah there's one thing that always stood out to me about this game and maddie you mentioned the crafting i think the way that you replenish arrows in this game is so clever and smart the way that you just like you press the joystick you hold your your l bumper do it it in real time it goes really quickly you can do a ton at once if you Mm -hmm. want and it just feels Mm -hmm. really good in a way that it's like oh shit i'm out of arrows I'm going to go hide and like do this, like hide behind and a tree like, and, make, and make these yeah. arrows. And it feels really good. And, and the fact that you can just do like fire arrows also or lightning arrows really quickly for like any weapon, it just works really well. Um, the sniper bow uh, uh, is, is, an, <laughs> I is like interesting. It. I don't, I didn't love, don't love it. It doesn't feel as oh, good as like, like a proper. Like terror blast it's, arrows. Terror blast it's, arrows are like the coolest arrows. Yeah, the, the, the purple arrows with like the sound Yeah, those thing. the terror ones. Those are so good. I was just going to say it doesn't feel as good as like a proper sniper rifle does Um, but but it's still good it's still good um there's nothing like so we talk a lot about delay like a delayed weapon fusion rifle in in destiny or whatever that's the thing with those arrows you shoot it and then it's that sound effect yeah boom and then like their armor flies but you gotta wait a second and like just stick around behind cover while it blows up and then you come out with that rail gun thing and you just hit it with like a billion rails and you're like yeah anyway no i you like really put me there i can i can imagine the experience. i also like that you can really easily pull multiple arrows so like shooting mm-hmm. three yes. of those things into yep. a thing and just watching all its armor blow off i mean it's a good game it's, it's great it's good yeah and there's something also really fun about the fact that everything is so instant you can like back up if like this huge robo is charging at you you take out your trip caster and just go boom boom and like set a yeah, lightning trap yeah, yeah. and they'll get stunned immediately <laughs> there's a lot of mm-hmm. cool stuff like that in this game and yeah it just feels Aloy just feels really agile it's really fun to watch her move around the screen um, with her hair just flopping everywhere big red hair flopping everywhere yeah that's kind of the like physicality thing I'm talking about that or like the way it has a really sturdy crouch like mm-hmm. you crouch and you don't pop out of it very easily so you'll yeah. jump while crouched and like slide down to mm-hmm. a thing and stay crouched and it just and feels the slide like, it has some really cool slide animations one of the best and slides, fi- you can yeah. fire while you slide there's just yeah. a lot of like little details that just work really well for this game uh, also makes me extremely excited for the sequel because yeah. there's oh yeah i think it's gonna refine all those details mm-hmm. and like smooth out some of the smaller things that bugged me like did this ever happen to you guys where you would do a whole round of leveling up or crafting a thing and then just like you would forget that you had done that and you and would die. die and yeah you'd lose yeah. it and it yeah, would the, lose all of it i could the not, save system in this game is not yeah. good i yes. could not with that i couldn't yeah. believe that this was like a game that came out in 2017 and did that to me i was like i yeah. wow all no, right there's no I, way they'll I, do that if again. i'm if i'm gonna put in the time and level up a bunch of shit in a menu i better be next to a fire yep. because i'm gonna be so yeah, annoyed. they're not gonna do that again there's no yeah, way like just stuff like that you know for all the interesting little pieces of polish and thoughtful things there are things like that which are just these signs that the studio had never made it's a like, game like this before and they're like oh, <laughs> like, we, oh we need a save system but like you need how to does, have yeah. a save system for menus like you don't need to have for everything else like you can punish me for a lot of other things but if i put my skill points in please let me keep it don't make me try and remember what i did yeah yeah, yeah. Um, that's very true yeah that was frustrating but yeah there's so much good stuff like the even the way that it does towers the one of the ubisoft tropes that you mentioned before kirk just turning Mm -hmm. them into dinos and having it so you have to like actually leap on them from like specific points in the game and then climb up them and it can actually be a little tricky like you can fall off while you're doing it i always feel like i'm going to even though i never do like i always am just like here comes i don't know man It, it does give me that vertigo i think because it's moving you said but it's just a really clever way of like adapting a trope from another style like from open world games Mm -hmm. and just like applying it to this game in a really smart way um so yeah i'm very excited for the sequel man that trailer for the sequel i remember was the highlight of that that original ps5 presentation in june it looks so good like if that's real-time graphics my god that game looks looks ridiculous (laughs) yeah how much better can video games look that's a good question kirk that's the question we'll be asking as we go into the next gen well, <laughs> final thoughts? Uh, I might play more. I, I kind of dip in and out. I, you know, just on PC and play a little bit more. They've been Maybe updating it. it. They've so. been patching it a lot. They've been fixing a lot of the yeah, issues. They, it, it, it runs seems. a lot better. That final cutscene, man, it's probably worth it just really to see nice. the final cutscene where again. Aloy finds 
Elizabeth. Yeah, it's really, really sweet. It's so... And really, the DLC, I don't know, like you're... I know you just finished it, Maddie, but the, the, mm-hmm. the just fighting that... I bet it's great. Fighting that bear is pretty fun. It's a fun bear to fight. Yeah. You, it's mm-hmm. like... It does sound cool, It'll yeah. test you. Even if you've beaten, like, the hardest things in the main game, it is crazy. That bear, <laughs> it's, though. Yeah, it's quite a fight. So, yeah, I, I, might, I might play a little bit more, but I am I'm definitely excited for the sequel. Yes, extremely excited. And it was fun to revisit it. Like, it was, it was fun to play it again. It gave me a better appreciation for the story. In every respect, starting from the beginning and knowing what everything was. Knowing what would happen, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and credit credit to the voice cast. Ashley Birch really mm-hmm. knocks it out of the park. I've said that before. Oh, yeah. I've used that term already. This I use that term twice as Beans cast, but it's okay. But also Lance Reddick is great Lance as Lance Reddick is also great. He's oh, very man. good, yeah. yeah. I just wanted to have him be disappointed, like tersely disappointed with me once in my <laughs> yeah. life. He gets like, so annoyed. It's great. I asked you to take the trash out. <laughs> <laughs> Maddie, you may also recognize that, of course, he's Commander Zavala in Destiny 2. Of course. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, I mean, it's Lance Reddick. He's in everything. Yes, and he, he deserves everything. I'll always think of him, you know, as, as Lieutenant Daniels from The Wire and of as, course. like, this cool yeah. guy. But he's, like, a huge nerd. Like, he's, like, really into Destiny. And it's almost, like, annoying when that trope is brought out. Like, not only is this famous cool actor, like, good, they're a nerd. Right, he's also into games. They're a nerd. It's almost like they're a theater kid that, like, grew up role-playing because yeah. they're an actor now. <laughs> so they like video <laughs> games. It's no, true. it's you not it? that surprising, but I still, <laughs> yeah. just because he so embodies Lieutenant Daniels to me. I know. That picturing and Lieutenant, Lieutenant Daniels, Daniels doesn't play any He does not play games. Destiny. <laughs> like, and, um, you know, and just picturing him playing Destiny. Like, I want to play Destiny with, with uh, Lance Reddick. Yeah, Silence probably plays Destiny, and he's probably, like, For kind sure. of a dick about oh, it. Oh, yeah. Like, he's if, a hunter. If Lieutenant Daniels played <laughs> Destiny, he would get really mad at people who, like, didn't show up to raids on time or, like, <laughs> yeah, <you'd be> so <laughs> screwing up in the middle. Um, it's funny. I always think the first time I ever saw Lance Reddick was in Lost. You guys remember him in Lost? Right. Michael yeah. Abaddon or Matthew Abaddon, mm-hmm. whatever his name was. Just a random ass character. Like it seemed to be more important than he actually was, which was the case of a lot of characters on Lost. They like right, seemed right. like they would mm-hmm. take on this importance and never did. Anyway, Horizon yeah. Zero Dawn, good ass video game. Very excited good for game. the sequel. Very cool. And game. <laughs> yeah, if you made it this far without playing it, well, uh, go play Check it, it I, out, guess. I guess. I mean, I enjoyed the whole thing knowing that Aloy was a clone because it was obvious to me from the jump. So you'll right. probably still enjoy it as well. Exactly. That's true. Yeah. It's still, <laughs> still, it very still fun. fun, even still if you a know cool game. what's going to happen. Still fun to shoot robot dinosaurs' armor off of them. All right. Well, that'll be it for us. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hey, thanks for being members. See you guys. And thanks for supporting yeah, the thanks. show. Yeah, thanks for oh, being members. Man. All of you listening are members, and we appreciate Don't it. Don't tell any of the non-members, but you all are super cool. Way cooler than the people who don't support <laughs> the show. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's totally that clip is getting taken out of taken out of context it's true though we, we love you the best you're the, you're the best um no we love all of our listeners no, we love our listeners we love all our listeners equally but but I mean but we love the members we the really best. love the support <laughs> no just kidding we love all of our listeners no, we, we love everybody we love everybody but really oh my god oh my god okay bye but really, but really it's you no the members the members are the best we love we love members <laughs> bye <laughs> Triple Click is produced by Jason Schreier, Maddie Myers, and me, Kirk Hamilton. I edited and mixed the show and also wrote our theme music. Our show art is by Tom DJ. Triple Click is a proud member of the Maximum Fun Podcast Network, and if you like our show, we hope you'll head over to MaximumFun.org join and consider becoming a member. Doing so helps support us and gets you access to an exclusive Triple Click episode each month. Find us online at TripleClickPodcast.com, on Twitter at TripleClickPod, and send email to TripleClick at MaximumFun.org. Thanks for listening. See you next time. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.